0: Hey, hi, what's up? It's your guy, Elias Omar, and I just wanted to take a hot second to tell you about Newsly. Newsly is an audio app for iOS and Android. It picks up articles about the most trending topics on the web at any given moment. I read them to you in a natural human voice. Imagine that. For the first time in history, you can listen to the internet. It's almost like you're reading The Matrix. It's crazy. You can browse articles from topics that you choose. Anything. From quadricep development to gnomes with bad New York accents, and just start listening. Oh, and guess what? They also have podcasts as well. You could check out shows from over 40 countries. And of course, yes, our pod, Everrome Adventures, is there too. So go download and use Newsly for free now at www.newsly.me. Or just go to the link in the show description. And make sure that you use promo code Everone, E-V-E-R-R-E-A-L-M, and you'll get a one-month free premium subscription. It's that easy. So check out Newsly, guys. Stop scrolling and start listening. Slap shields and killers wheel javelins Backed in the corner, no man yields, reveals the acumen Butterflies in your gut feel like dragons in your abdomen Sophist chrysanthemums, the anthems that they chattering A convocator hater advocates so arrogant The gun kind unoriginal, I predict a the panic They put the flame in your brain like a jack-o-lantern Random, OG, Random dialect, filthy universal, like Caligula landed on Saturn. The target in particular, they all my prey. Top of the food chain orca stalking where the dolphins play. Vocalize my issues quite clearly. Before your eyes cauterize the game severely. Put it simply, craft the next level of lock stage, like the Ice Age natives from crossing the barren straight Welcome to the Ever Round. Welcome to the Ever Round. Welcome to the Ever Round.
1: warnings for this episode include teen and child death, violence against teens and children, child abuse, child trafficking, childhood trauma, bullying, hallucinations, compulsive thoughts, nightmares, self-harm, manipulation, mind control, and medical experimentation.
0: Hi, welcome to The Ever Realm. We are an all POC actual play D&D podcast. My name is Elias Omar. And usually I'm the DM,
2: but not tonight. But as always, I am joined by... Hi, my name is Mark Jimerson. My pronouns are he, they. And you can find me on Twitter at MoreTheMerrier.
3: Hi, everyone. My name is Siobhan. Um, you can find me on Twitter at SiobhanVelence. And hi,
4: everybody. I'm Jinx. Um, I can be found on all social medias at JinxMilano.
1: Uh, and hey everyone, I will be your guest GM for this very, very special uh, episode. My name is Connie, my pronouns are they, he and she. You can find me all across the internet, namely Twitter, TikTok, uh, itch and Ko-Fi at Chong. That's B-Y-C-O-N-N-I-E-C-H-A-N-G. I sounded so professional. I did. I've got a little spiel ready.
0: <laughs> As you can guess by the introductions, tonight we have a special session a very special guest and um we're all anxious to play uh so connie please take it away
1: awesome okay i can't wait i'm excited for this let's do this let's do it the mansion is a beautiful thing all proud stone and gleaming glass the gables curl outward ridged with tiles of brick and clay The tinny, warm smell of petrichor hangs from stone siding. The only blemished aspect of this magnificent manor really is the hill it's on. Overgrown weeds, tall stalks of grass wiggling like fingers in the breeze, untamed tracks of dirt saturated with last night's rain. In the near distance, by the base of this hill, We see the glimmering lights of Idan, a prospering town brimming with magic. We pan back up the slope and hold on this manor and then push through a window fogged with summer mist and enter a warmly lit room. A library, grand by any standards, a long wide hall filled with rows and rows and rows of bookshelves. A second floor curls outward from along the walls, a balcony level populated by even more books. And in the center of this library, the atrium, the nexus, the beating heart of this room, a massive globe, burnished brass spinning on a tilted axis, an old three-dimensional map of the Everrealm. We now hear footsteps pattering over carpet, laughter echoing between shelves, and now we see five Children playing in the library on this balmy summer evening. Saj, what do you look like and how are you playing?
0: Saj is a teenager. He's 14 years old. Um, he's a little tall for his age. Uh, he's about 5'10, five, 5'11. Five, he's skinny. Uh, his hair is braided back on his head in uh, long cornrows. His skin's copper toned and he's uh, chasing after his friends. Um, that are laughing and playing, but at the same time, he's kind of stumbling because he's holding a couple uh, books on geology. Uh, but yeah, he's uh, just a skinny, happy kid right now.
1: I love that. Yeah, Asajj, uh, so as you bustle forward, laughing wide, toothy grin, like your arms heavy and leaden with these huge, I think encyclopedic-sized like <laughs> books that are just stacked all the way up, almost like covering your head, uh, I think you trip a bit, uh, and a couple of these books wobble and they threaten to fall onto Cersei! Cersei, what do you look like and how are you playing?
4: Oh, Cersei is uh, roughly 12, uh, almost 13. Her birthday is going to be in like maybe two months. She stands about maybe four foot two and everything, kind of short. Big poofy hair that's currently in these two giant puffs. Uh, Amethyst colored eyes. Um, seems to be holding two of her own books on, you know, some sort of healing magic under one arm and carrying a cupcake in the other hand and everything. Um, she's just going to look at the books, kind of do a little, and then off to the side as she's, you know, also chasing after her friends and trying to make sure she does not drop her very delicious snack.
1: <laughs> okay, seriously, make a duck save. <laughs> oh gosh.
4: Okay. save. Please don't fail me. Please don't fail me. Got this. 19.
1: Oh, what? okay, yeah, that is, you like dodge and weave these huge tomes like showering past your shoulders, cupcake proudly in one hand, other healing books, tucked under an arm, even as Saj sort of, I think fumbles a little bit, but then Saj, you regain your footing as well. Uh, and Cersei, as you're laughing and like uh, gambling with uh, Saj, we're gonna pan across the library to find someone else. Riho, what do you look like and how are you playing?
2: Riho is a yeah, pretty surly looking young young man got square jaw, his face is adorned like this pecan brown skin, pretty short black hair. A pretty gangly kid. And even though he's safe with his friends, his eyes are kind of just scrutinizing the environment. He He's a little bit worried in this in this kind of academic setting. It's kind of, it's kind of scary for him, actually. Um, he's just going to take in everything and starts to relax once he hears and sees his, his friends coming towards him. Uh, they're obviously, everyone's just playing, having a good time. Uh, despite the warm weather, he's got this long, dark green tunic on. Long sleeves. Uh, this kind of, it's a little bit stained. Different patterns. And around his waist is a thick skim belt with a wooden truncheon on his side. And he <laughs> he smiles as he sees his friends coming towards him. He sees the books falling. He sees uh, Cersei trying to hold on to this cupcake. And for once, he's, he's feeling comfortable. He it feels like it's been a long time, but man, he feels just good to be with his friends again.
1: Mm, yeah, I think you're like... Watching Saj and Cersei sort of like play and horse, horseplay and shove each other a bit, right? And like these books falling down and though there is an aura of, it's not insecurity exactly, is it? It's not even really anxiety. There's definitely some sort of um, darkness, I think. uh, Kind of behind the glimmering brights of your eyes. Uh, A darkness that I think we pan over to the fourth member of our group, Aurora, and see also reflected for just a split second in her eyes as well. But before we get there, Aurora... Why don't you tell us what you look like and how you're playing? Sure. Um, I am 15 years old. I have, like, copper-colored
3: skin, um, hazel eyes. Um, I have, I would say, like, brown-reddish locks that come, I would say, like, shoulder-length. I would say that I would probably be trying to steal a bite off of um, Cersei's cupcake. Cupcake.
1: Okay, uh, <laughs> I love that. Cersei, are you letting Aurora eat your cupcake or are you trying to prevent that from happening? I'm trying to prevent that from happening. Okay, so we got contested uh, dexterity sleight of hand check. Uh, so both of you roll sleight of hand and see okay. which number is bigger. Okay. Make sure to use your level one character sheets.
3: I thought, yeah, I was asking if we we're using yep. level one. I got a 14.
4: Okay, let's
3: see what I got. I'm knowing on a cupcake. I got a 19. <laughs>
1: Chomp! Aurora, describe what it looks like as you, like, gobble up Cersei's cupcake. I gobble it in a greedy
3: type of way where you see all the cupcake around my mouth and I smile as I eat your cupcake.
4: They only had one of those.
3: Oh, it was very good. Yeah,
4: you're just going to see Cersei kind of just smile, uh, like, frown a little bit, but then, you know, Oh, at least my friend got to enjoy it. So, you know, she's kind of going to just pluck up a little bit, but still very disappointed that she didn't get to get the cupcake.
1: <laughs> I give her a kiss with my cupcake face. <laughs> 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 I love that. Uh, Cersei, you feel a tap on your shoulder uh, and you turn and you see the fifth member of your crew, uh, Rain, of course, Rain Wilcox. Uh, bright black eyes to the white grin, gray skin splattered with freckles, a drow tiefling child with this short, curly black hair and a tiny little pair of nubbin horns uh, peeking out of their forehead. Uh, their ears are these long, dour, kind of downward-pointed ears, but they're always so upbeat. And they're laughing, uh, Cersei, and they actually have one arm behind their back. They're maybe 15 years old, just like Aurora, and they go, I see Aurora got the better of you again, Cersei. I'm trying. She's just so fast. I know. It would help me if I weren't so short. <laughs> well, I had a feeling this might happen. So, And Rain uh, opens up their arm from behind their back and reveals that they're holding a second glorious, delicious cupcake in their hand.
4: Uh, Then we're going to just, <gasps> I got a cupcake. And we're not wasting time this time. <laughs> we're going to take it and take a bite out of it. <laughs>
1: In your mouth and you get some frosting on like your lips uh, and rain laughs at that. And as they pass you this cupcake, uh, we glimpse, we glimpse a mark on their left forearm, uh, a single horizontal strip about one inch long, two millimeters thick, the color of blood. And each one of you actually has this mark on your forearms, but it's not exactly a concern as you're playing in this library right now, uh, and Rain turns to the rest of you and says, "Hey guys, 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 uh, do you want to play? Uh, let's play hide and seek." Sure.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Yeah. Mouthful of cupcake. She's gonna. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who? Uh, who wants to? Who wants to be the seeker first? Because I feel like I'm always the seeker first because I'm really, really good at it. But I want to give one of you suckers a chance.
3: Not me. I'll be the seeker first. Oh no. Oh. Go ahead, Cersei. No, can do not it. me, not me. I don't want to. You said not yes,
4: you, not me. And she's gonna be looking okay. frosting off of her face. Just yeah, it must be all the cupcake in her mouth.
2: Typical Cersei, just wants to be center of attention.
4: I mean, if you wanted a cupcake, you could have just said something. And she's just gonna look back at her arm like you could have shared.
3: I gave you a kiss with my cupcake lips.
2: <laughs> you two are so sweet together.
3: I'll see. I will. I'll be if You guys want to hide? Okay.
1: All right then. Uh, you know, you know the drill. Count to ten. One, two, and each of you. Three. Why don't you tell me how you're trying to? Beautiful. Uh, Saj, Circe, and Riho, Why don't the three of you tell me where you're trying to hide in this library?
4: Are there long, thick curtains somewhere?
1: Absolutely. There are these massive, huge, thick drapes. uh, uh, Currently, I think, slightly drawn uh, to show, I think, in the near distance, the glimmering lights of your hometown at the base of this hill. Um, And I think uh, a light pattering of rain has begun to fall in the summer evening. But you do see several massive sets of drapes.
4: Yeah, um, she's going to probably try to hide behind some drapes. If there's a window ledge, Wonderful. then she's gonna see if she can get up to that window ledge. But you know, we'll see.
1: I'm into it. Yeah, seriously. You head over to a window. What about you, Saj? Um, I think Saj is like
0: frantic at first, nervous because he's not good at games like this, and just drops the books. Uh, and just scans the room. Is there like a, a closet or cabinets even? Sure.
1: Or- yeah, there are definitely cabinets, there are tons of shelves, it's like the stacks, you know what I mean? But you do see several, like, little cabinet doors and little, like, janitorial closets that you can try mm-hmm. the handles and try to pull open.
0: Alright, well, that's that's what he's going for. He's, um, trying any, any, uh, larger cabinets or classes, just trying the handles and seeing if he could slide into one really quick.
1: Yeah, you open the first one, you try, and it looks like it used to be maybe like a, a broom closet or some sort. You see, you actually see a broom in a corner, like a bucket, a pail, and some like cleaning agents, right? And you like sidle your way in and draw the door closed behind you. Wonderful. What about you, Rio?
2: Rio runs down one of the aisles, uh, basically kind of looks left, looks right, gets an idea, starts climbing up the shelves, top of the shelves. Uh, on his way up, he's kind of kicking the books over. Knocking him down, he just doesn't give a shit about the quality of the care of the books. He's he's knocking <laughs> him down. As he gets to the top of the shelf, he kind of clamber[s] over about ten feet over, just so it's not totally obvious that he's right where the books where he kicked all the books off. Um, but he's on top of the shelf, um, trying to be as small as possible.
1: Love it. Okay, yeah. Uh, the three of you scatter to the window, to the top of the shelves inside a Janitorial Closet. Uh, and why don't three of you just make me a stealth check?
2: Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm.
1: 20. Okay, a 20!
0: Okay, 20? Oh! Das got a 16. 16?
1: 14. 14. Okay. Aurora, make me a perception check to see how quickly you can find these. Okay. 16. Okay. Which means that I think you find everyone except for Cersei. Uh, and even like fairly quickly. Because I think other folks got a 16 and a 14, right? And Cersei got a 20. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I think. We just sort of like, why don't you describe to me how you uncover Saj's closet, how you like find uh Riho up on the shelves. Paint me a picture.
3: Okay, so I woke up and I see the books that Saj just dropped casually by his hiding spot. I'm like, really Saj? We couldn't be more creative? And then I just pop up and say, hey, I found you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> when you open the door, you see Saj just like standing behind like an upside down broom with the, the bristles covering his face thinking that you can't see him
3: <laughs> yeah so I say oh I see yeah 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 come on out alright alright <laughs> and then um I did see the big mess that Rio made so then I kind of climb up and then like go right next to him and say hey what you doing
2: as you climb up so as I'm you doing- climb up into my face Rio's got a big thick book and he just like slams it in your face not 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 like hitting you, but you know when someone like slams a book in your face, just gonna kind of like the air pressure. Ha! Gotcha.
3: You're such a bully.
2: And you're Miss Perfect.
1: <laughs> okay, so then I'm gonna go look for for Cersei and Rain. Yeah. Uh, so Riho and Saj, now that the two of you have been found, you can you also help Aurora try to find Cersei and Rain. And I think as like, you know, the three of you are like peeling all over this uh, library trying to find your friends. Aurora. Yes. Yeah. You hear the voice first. Uh, It comes from a dark aisle between two shelves, and it surprises you. It's not a voice of one of your other friends. You weren't expecting anyone else to be here. Uh, As far as you know, only you and your four friends can see the mansion, can enter it. And still, you hear a voice. Can I play too? Do you guys hear? Can I play too? Who are you? I'm a friend. Can I play too?
3: Um, sure. I've never seen you or heard you before. Have you been here before?
1: Um, I'm a friend. Can I play too? Um. Hey guys, do you hear? Yeah, and at this point, Saj and Riho, you overhear this happening by like one of the various stacks of the library. And Cersei, you hear it too. Though it's muffled behind this huge curtain, you can like, you're maybe like giggling to yourself. You can like hear your friends try to find you. And then you hear this exchange happening somewhere deeper within the library. What do the three of you do? They want to play. I say, let's play.
2: Well, we don't know who it is. Yeah, can we see or see anything?
1: Yeah. If if you approach uh where Cersei mm. is, Cer- uh sorry, where Aurora is. Aurora is sort of standing at like in like the middle of a hallway, uh that's sort of like the main thoroughfare uh with shelves on either side. You know what I mean if you've been at a, in like a library in the stacks. Uh and uh, the the voice is coming from deeper within the stacks, uh but the shadows are falling in such a way that whatever kid uh is speaking is sort of like ensconced in darkness, maybe 20 feet down, uh, an aisle of books. Saj, Riho, what do the two of you do? I'm gonna walk over
0: there and kind of like grab the the back of uh, Aurora's upper arm, like her, her sleeve, kind of like pull her back and say, you know what? I think it's those bullies again. Um, I think they're messing with us.
3: Oh, okay. But they sound so nice.
0: And I'll say, hello? Hey kid.
1: Hi, I'm a friend. Can I play too? And at What's this point- yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, as you say, what's your name? At this point, the voice is starting to feel actually a little familiar to all of you. Uh, you didn't immediately recognize it because you haven't heard it in a few weeks. But now that you hear it, you know whose voice it is. It's Malcolm DuVernay's, one of the missing children.
2: Well, Malcolm, was that you?
1: I'm a friend. Can I play too?
2: D- doesn't that sound like Malcolm? That's sound Malcolm like it right. does sound
1: Malcolm. Them saying
4: it sounds like Malcolm. Uh, Cersei's going to come from behind the curtain and uh, meet up with her friends.
1: Yeah. And as you like come out from behind one of the drapes, Rain comes out from one of the other ones. Because <laughs> Rain is like <laughs> hiding next to you because there are two two curtains. <laughs> um, their, their brow is furrowed and they like cock a head. You know, in your direction, Cersei, and they look also, like, kind of befuddled. And now, like, all of you are gathered at, like, the mouth of these, like, bookshelves, staring down an aisle, uh, flanked by these huge, tall mahogany shelves on either side, looking into the shadows.
2: I thought Malcolm was dead. What? What?
1: He was missing. Nobody said he was dead.
2: I thought he was dead. Maybe we found him. Malcolm, get out of here. Yeah.
1: Okay,
4: let's play tag.
2: Uh, okay.
4: Cersei's gonna be like, I love tag! And she's going to probably take a couple of steps forward.
1: Just come out! Okay. And two gleaming points of light appear in the darkness. Uh, vaguely crescent-shaped, even. Uh, small, about the size of marbles. Uh, and they float actually about, like, four feet, six inches uh, in the air next to each other. Almost like fairy lights for a moment. And seriously, you're the closest, and you see these, like, two floating points of light. Uh, and it takes you maybe just, like, two seconds to realize what they are. They're eyes. Uh, Cersei, the man in the dark, is crouched over on his hands and toes, so he appears shorter than he is. Height of a child. I can just see the eyes, that's it. The man in the dark is crouched over on his hands and knees, so he appears shorter than he is the height of a child.
4: Like, are you going to come out, or are you going to stay over there? Because, you know, we kind of have to run that way if we're going to play tag.
1: And all of you see now, the eyes slowly, slowly, slowly rising, so they're five feet, six Eight, 12 feet into the air. Um, and the tall man says, Run. Uh, I'm running.
4: We're, we're going to we're gonna scream. Yeah, yeah. Cersei's going to scream and run.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> is anyone not screaming and running?
0: Daj uh, picks up a book, chucks it, and then turns around and runs.
1: I love it. Make an attack roll with strength. Uh, it's an <laughs> improvised weapon.
0: All right. Oh my God. My strength is... Minus one. So let's see.
1: (laughs) Can we all don't strength as children?
0: (laughs) So I rolled a two, so I got a one.
1: Uh, you chuck the, like, one of your heavy geology tomes, you just sort of, like, chuck it limply, and it falls splat, like, half, you don't even get to it. It just sort of falls halfway between the aisle of where this man is and where you are. And as you're turning and running, uh, you see, sort of, uh, coming out of the darkness, um, these long, pale fingers, uh, as the man approaches. And that's the last thing you see before you turn and you book it. What about you, Rio?
2: Rio looks at Rain and says, run, run. He pulls out his, his trunge in his little club. And he starts swinging in the air wildly, trying to fend it off. And he's like, I'll be right behind you. Just run.
1: Okay, make an athletics check.
2: It's, it's a like a backwards defensive kind of thing. Athletics. Athletics. Mm. Th- learner. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Really? Dang. I'm a strong kid. Plus four. Uh, that is 20 total.
1: Okay. Uh, as you're sort of like buying time for your friends, because Rain looks like paralyzed with fear for a moment they're just sort of like staring into the darkness their eyes wide and then they they nod they nod and they turn they run along with the rest of your friends and you stay behind Riho for just a split second waving that baton that truncheon right uh and you see as as those four and then five long slender pale fingers exit from the shadows you realize these are like the hands of an adult man but they're big. These hands are really big. they're the size of your head easy. And as the hands like glide out of the shadow perforating their way into the light, the darkness elongates. Uh, so it just looks like hands and then arms coming out of the shadow uh, and you don't see its body because the darkness itself is following it. With your 20 athletics, okay, a set of its long pale fingers wraps around your swinging truncheon uh, and snaps it in half. You realize it was trying to grab you closer, but instead it just sort of snapped it in half instead of getting you toward it. So you're sort of just sort of standing in the hallway with like one half of your broken uh, baton. What do you do?
2: I throw it as hard as I can into into the eye, into the glowing eyes that I see and just take off running.
1: Okay, you throw it and you book it. And I think like we see, we we cut to all of you just running, running, running through the library, right? Uh, As behind you, we see a huge, just sheet of darkness descend over everything, sweeping over it, like one by one by one by one, all the lights shut off. Like the lights themselves are chasing you. Uh, And you all are like booking it toward like the main doors of this library that you entered in from, these huge swinging double oak doors with these brass hands Candles. And Aurora, Cersei, the two of you are the first to hit it uh, because you're the first to run and go. And you realize that for some reason they won't open. The doors are locked. They were not locked when you came in here. What did the two of you do as the first people to reach it? Oh
4: no! Oh no! Oh no! We we we've got to get out! We've got to get out! Um. Cersei's just gonna start trying to pound on the door and push and like, she's kind of panicking right now. So literally just pounding, trying to either get some attention uh, from somebody on the outside or hopefully the door might give.
3: Aurora, are you helping? I'm gonna actually look for something to like, uh
1: axe or something hard to beat on the door. Sure. You see like one of those emergency glass cases um, that has an axe in it and like a fire extinguisher, right? Uh, Like in case of emergency, break glass you see written in common. Do you break that glass and try to grab the axe? I break the glass. Okay, you smash it. It's made to be breakable, even by a child. You smash it, glass rains down around you. You grab onto this ax. Oh my God, it's heavy. Goof, goof. Like the steel head just hits the carpet. Uh, Cause you are, you're like a kid. Uh, this was made for like a grown, full muscular adult, right? You're sort gonna of drag the ax over to where Cersei's kind of uselessly flinging themselves like against the doors. What do you do? Um, I'm gonna ask Cersei to help me lift this ax and let's just hit the door. She's going to... Uh...
4: I don't think this is gonna work, but okay. And she's gonna try to help.
1: Okay. All right, so as the two of you swing this ax together, Aurora, roll uh, athletics with advantage oh, because you're getting help.
3: Okay. My first roll was a 22.
1: <laughs> you're some strong fucking kiss. the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Yoked.
2: It's the adrenaline. Roll
1: again. for hmm roll, roll again and take the higher one. Okay, 22. They both were 22. Okay, so it's a 22. Yeah, bang. Bang, bang, and you hear like whatever lock mechanism start to creak and crack. And you see like, you feel the doors wobbling like jelly against the force of the two of you bang on it. And you see cracks begin to splinter from the handles. And you get the sense that if you keep working on it just a little bit longer with a 22, you'll be able to get out, but it's, it's gonna take a couple of swings. And at this point, Saj and Riho, the two of you along with Rain have caught up and that darkness is still coming. And those doors are still shut, but they seem to almost be there. What did the two of you do?
0: Hey guys, watch out! I got a I got an idea. I'm gonna see Saj like close his eyes and clench his fists and focus as hard as as he has up to this point in his life. And um, I'm gonna cast sacred flame on the door and try to like burst it open with my sacred flame.
1: Ooh, I really like that, Rio. How are you helping? So
2: Rio grabs the the axe out of their hands. Says, "Get out of the way, nerds! I got this." <laughs> <laughs>
3: Aurora grabs the fire extinguisher. Okay, who's the pin? What about you, Cersei?
4: Cersei is going to kind of panic a little bit, but she's going to grasp the little necklace that her mom gave her, uh, unstopper it, and sprinkle uh, her holy water, and she's going to cast Bless on uh, Saj trying to open the door.
1: Mm, mm okay, yeah. So that means Saj gets a, a 1d4 to their uh, additional attempts, right? Yes. Okay, so how I'm going to resolve this is, Saj, why don't we make an athletics check with a 1d4 to it against the door to see, like, to do that final blow to bust it down. Uh, Aurora, as you pull the pin on the fire extinguisher, are you facing it at the door or at the darkness? Um, I'm going to originally face it at
3: Rio, but then I'm going to turn around and face it at <laughs> the darkness.
1: Okay, sounds good. Make me a sleight of hand check as you try to control the force of the, the foam spilling out of it. And... Saj, remind me again what you're doing. I'm sorry, I lost track.
0: So I've, I've seen them kind of banging on the door as I'm running up. Mm-hmm. And I see that it's kind of like about to give way. And I am um, I cast uh, Sacred, flame Sacred Flame on the door. Right,
1: thank you, yes. Wonderful, yeah. I love it, Sacred Flame, cool. What does it look like as the fire explodes from you?
0: Um. Yeah, Saj really like just closes his eyes and kind of like clenches in on himself and then just releases and like out of his chest, you see like a... a a small, it's still small because he's still a kid. Um, explosion burst of flame, um, just flies out of his chest towards
2: the uh, towards the door.
1: I love it. Yeah. Uh, what did you get, Riho, for your athletics trick with the d4
2: 17? Oh, I'm sorry, I did not add my d4. Um, d4 d4 I Keep going no. I'll do this. No, right, no, 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 There's
1: I, 21, I can 21 total. 21 total, fantastic. Uh, As your ax cleaves through the final layer of wood, Aurora, what did you get on your sleight of hand check? 11. 11. Uh, Saj, with the combined force of the fire exploding from your body and Riho's pure brute force, bam, cleaving this door down. Uh, the door splinters open, and you all see, like, the hallway, the main atrium you came in on, and beyond the atrium, like, the main doors to this mansion that you always enter from. Like, it's there. It looks, like, literally, like, the finish line of, like, a race. It's it's literally within touch, and I think all of you just start, like, running, right? And you're not always at any time. You're, like, booking it out of there uh as... An explosion of foam uh, propels itself out of the uh, nozzle from your end, Aurora. And with your 11, it hits rain. (gasps) Rain was sort of in the back. Uh, And (laughs) like this huge foam now like ribbons and metastasizes over their body like a tumor. And they're going, ah, (sighs) what the? (sighs) And they're like wiping, they sort of stumble forward. They can't see anything now. Uh, And even as... (sighs) All of you are kind of running. There's a beat where the darkness folds over Rain. And all of you see these, like, long, slender fingers coming out of the tenebrous fold, and they just grab onto Rain. These hands are so huge. The left one covers Rain's entire head and torso. The right one covers Rain's entire legs uh, and just pulls them backward into the darkness. And there's, like, a a scream that's cut short, and Rain is gone. Rain! We we gotta go! We, We... 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 Do something,
2: um. We we rage, we rage and start heading towards the, uh, heading towards the shadows with the axe.
1: As you turn, Riho, and you start heading toward the the shadows, uh, these open oak doors slam shut in your face. And we see like the, the cracked, wood starts to repair itself, almost like it feels sickly familiar, like a doomsday, Like time reversing itself, you see wood panels picking up off the floor and reversing themselves against this uh, door in like a perfect reversal of how you had like broken it down. And the wood door slams shut. And we cut to black. And over this darkness, we hear panting, breathing, whimpering, please. Please, 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 I'm, I'm wanted alive or dead, so please take me in alive. The man is 5'11", pale-skinned, green-eyed, wearing half-plate and greaves. A half-elf, the tips of his pointed ears quivering. He's gripping his left hand tight with his right. His back is pressed against an alley wall, eyes wide, desperate, searching the face of his pursuer for even a single ounce of mercy. His short sword lies on the ground in a puddle of last night's rain next to the severed pinky and ring finger of his left hand. Blood drools from his wound, dribbling onto his boots and Riho. You face this man, this target, this quarry of yours, Vance Hoyt. You've been tracking Vance since last night when you accepted the bounty. He is a uh, trafficker for the lost. A thieves' guild operating out of Hartport. Middle management at best. But still, he traffics kids. And as you eye him down, we pan over to you, and we see that you've changed. You are 20 years older. What do you look like now, and what's your job?
2: You see a pretty thin, unkipped man in his late 20s. uh, Probably early 30s, maybe. Um, Similar green tunic. Similar thick brown leather belt. It looks like his his tunic and his his clothes are ill-fitting. Uh, he's a little disheveled. His hair isn't uh His eyes are a little bit sunken. He he's just looking like he's not taking good care of himself. Rio is a bounty hunter, or at least he likes to think he is. Rio steps backwards, and as he steps backwards, from him steps forward an echo of himself—a blue, like a like a force ghost, a blue version of himself, tall, muscular, confident a being strides forward and approaches Vance. Vance, the only reason you might be alive now is because it's easier if you walk than having to carry you.
1: Oh, wait, 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 wait. I know you, that blue ghost, that phantom, you're, you're real, the haunted, you're. And at that recognition, a bit of despair crosses over this criminal's face, but then he rallies. Listen, you're right, you're right, you're right, it's easier for me to walk next to you, and and besides, I'm not worth anything dead, okay? My client lists, all that intel, I don't keep it in a book or nothing, it's all in my head, you see? Turn me in alive, you'll make a handsome penny.
2: At the same time, your head, exactly, is worth quite a bit on its
1: own. Oh, wait, wait, no, 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 please, 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 I I have a wife!
2: Do hold still, this will only take a moment.
1: No, 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 please, please, please!
2: And you see, oh here... This, this blue being stabbed quickly into Vance's chest, pierced directly into its heart. Only a moment.
1: And blood just sort of bubbles from his mouth and like drips down the front of his half plate, like down his shirt. And we, you like see the light start to vanish from his eyes as he's struggling against your blade. And how does that make you feel?
2: Rio stands in the back and he feels numb. He sees the scene and it's as if it's happened to someone else, somewhere else, someplace else. Oh, here looks down at this, at this quarry and feels nothing, nothing but shame for not having done this earlier. He's chasing him uh, hither and yonder, and he should have done this days ago.
1: Mm, apathy and a little bit of dissatisfaction, but not much else, as the final sparks of light vanish from Vance's eyes.
2: Now, if you mind gathering up the body, we can go. He, he looks, steps. He looks back At Riho, and Riho nods silently, walks towards the body, begins to truss it up, and picks up the body. Mm. Uh, Sure, here, whatever you want.
1: As Riho, the flesh material form of who you are, looks more uncertain than Ore, your Echo Knight self, this phantasm you summon that feels powerful, that feels cruel, that feels righteous. We pan away from this scene and see Cersei. Cersei, you are on a house call. Marigold Wayne, an older dragonborn woman in her 70s, is one of your favorite patients. She's really nice. She always gives you pastries and she always compliments your work. You've been treating her for the past two years for back pain, mostly, uh, but other odd ailments here and there. Headaches, colds, loose scales, sore feet. Her daughter pays for everything. Uh, And recently, in the past couple of weeks, her back pain's gotten worse. A lot worse. She actually can't even make it out to your practice anymore, so you come to her. And I think we find you sitting by Marigold's bed. Uh, In a small, humble room, the curtains pulled back to admit gentle sunlight. And Marigold is lying propped up uh, on a pillow, and her kind of bleary, wrinkled eyes are shaded under like a jutting, crested brow of bright green scales. (sighs) Ah, <sighs> Cersei, are you sure this latest potion will help my back? And Cersei, as we pan over to you, you are 20 years older than the last time we saw you as well, so tell us, what do you look like, and what's your job now?
4: Uh, Cersei is still relatively short, she stands
1: at about five four ish um, her-
4: before really poofy puffs have now been replaced with, you know, a kind of sleek but still kind of curly bun. Um, you see her skin is still smooth brown and everything, amethyst eyes still shining, you know, brightly colored, but you can tell there's like a hint of sadness behind them. Um, she is now dressed in you can kind of see them as uh noble ish garbs, you can tell, you know, they're not just plain cottons and everything else but you know there's some silks in there with you know a little bit of uh metal pieces in there whether it be jewelry or you know she has a a side hip thing of flasks and everything of her potions and everything she's just going to uh look over to uh miss marigold yes the potion should work just fine miss marigold but you know it would also help if you just Took it easy instead of insisting on helping the gentlemen with their labor tasks. I know nobody's trying to put you into retirement, but maybe you should just take it easy.
1: Ugh, leave the mining to the men? I don't think so. They wouldn't know good rock from bad ore if it hit them in the face. That
4: may be true, but that's also not going to help your back. Now, you need to stay in bed for at least the next 24 hours. I'm going to leave some potions with your daughter, just in case, for pain. Now, don't overdo them. Now, you should be just fine until I can come back here next week.
1: Fine, fine, fine. No one cracks rock like a Wayne. Uh, Can I have some of that poultice now, please? I mean, would
4: you happen to have any of those pastries off to the side? Because you know
1: I love my snacks. (laughs) (laughs) second drawer by the nightstand as usual then you can have
4: two one for now and one for later just in case i'll put it where the pastries (laughs) are
1: aren't you as sweet as a button uh and as i think she like reaches for some tea that i think you've maybe brewed for her maybe some help like pain-killing tea and like sips at it she goes oh oh cersei you know uh, my daughter told me something really interesting last week, Doctor. Uh, she says you're a holakesh. Well, obviously I know you're Doctor Holakesh, but you're the idan holakesh. You never told me you're a pedigreed healer. You're gonna see
4: Cersei kind of just freeze a little bit, and kind of uh, as her back is turned, just roll her eyes and have that whole grit, just like God dang it. And she's gonna turn around, and smile, yes. Yes, you know, that would be my, my mom. Um Don't really talk about it much, or else, you know, I want people to know me for my skill and not my mother's.
1: Oh, you know, I'm not a healer or a mage of any kind, but even I am minor. I know that the halakesh is you are, you're right on up there. Uh, what spell did your mother improve upon? Was it healing word or word of prayer? Something like that. She innovated some spell, didn't she? He did it was the healing word Oh um, ah. it can now pack quite a wallop
4: and heal more people than you know was previously invented but you know she's kind of passed that on to me but i don't know i think i might want to go in a different direction but her being the holy healer of course she's gotta have that extra flair you know
1: well, that's amazing well your mother's spell has singly has single-handedly saved many a cracked rib and broken ankle down in the mines. We have that to thank for. And you, a different path. <laughs> You're a skilled healer. This is, this is your life's calling. I can tell. So I've heard.
4: And then she's just going to have that stress smile, like the customer service smile, where you really don't want to, but you are just, yep. Mm-hmm. So she's You're grimacing. Yep. Mm-hmm. That, that strong grimace of, Well, we'll see. You know, you never know what life will bring. I don't know. I think I kind of want to branch out, explore a little bit. Maybe
1: even (sighs) hold my own in a tussle. Oh, you are young. You do have your whole life ahead of you. But (laughs) I can tell you are a peerless healer. Anything else would be a waste.
4: You know, that's the same thing my my mom said.
1: (laughs) Mm. And I think on that, like, like strange smile as you, like, continue to pack up your belongings to finish up your healing for the day. We cut now to Saj. Saj, you're in a meeting. You are in a critical meeting for the success of your business. You currently stand in a lofty oval room, all dark wood and brass fixtures and trophies mounted on walls. The heads of stags, onkegs, rust monsters, even the tongues of mimics, uh, pinned up on these huge display cases. Spade Jolt has her feet up on a massive mahogany desk. Uh, her chair is kind of swiveling underneath her, the leather squeaking as she considers you. She taps her fat cigar into an ash can held uh, by her assistant next to her. Uh, Spade is a Goliath woman. Eight feet tall, easy. She's muscular, she's wide, she's built like a brick shithouse. Uh, and her hair is shaved on the sides, braided down her back, black hair, intricate tattoos marking every inch of exposed skin. And the air here is thick with cigar smoke, uh, even though the windows are open and the noise from the bustling markets of Cernveld drifts up through the air. And as you stand in this office, I think you're like, skilled, cunning eye, you look at that brass fixture and you're like, mm, that's 1,800 gold easy. Like, you look at, like, the stag and you're like, I could probably sell that for 300, maybe 400 to a sucker, right? Like, you're, like, looking at all these things in this office and you're doing the math and it all tallies up to she's rich as hell. She is really wealthy. Uh, she's got tons of gold. Uh, and Spade is sort of saying as she chews on her cigar, so, uh, why the fuck should I invest in your business, kid? And we pan back to you, Saj. And we see that you, like everyone else, are 20 years older and very different. So how do you look now and what are you selling?
0: Saj is about six feet tall now, a little bit taller than what he was as a a kid. Um, He's wearing shiny black leather armor, um, green and and brown outerwear, and everything is just meticulously cleaned and, and pressed. But, you know, to a closer eye, you can kind of see that the stuff isn't new, it's kind of worn. Um and his hair, instead of being in the cornrows that it was before, it's kinda of like a mohawk, but the mohawk is split into like tight Bantu knots that go down the uh the middle of his head. On the side of his face, he has a, a spiral of of a tattoo, a spiral tattoo where fine thorns that kind of curves around his eye and into an intricate pattern around his ear and he's standing there um i guess she's at a desk right at like a kind of
1: yeah her feet are propped up her huge black leather boots that are worth as much as your entire outfit are
0: <laughs> okay um i think saj has like a uh briefcase that opens up and as it opens there's like a contraption uh mechanism that 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 opens up kind of like shelves like a staircase of shelves and on those shelves, he has the samples of um, various drinks that his family uh, company makes. And he pulls out the one that he's pushing the most. Norandy number five is the rum. And he says, look, this is the best that you're going to get in the area. This is the best rum in the ever rum. I know we're not big now, but with the right backing, you'll make so much gold. It also goes really well with a good cigar. <laughs> and he'll hand her the sample.
1: Okay, you hand her the sample. Like, actually, it's the assistant who takes it. The assistant takes the sample and then, like, sets it down, right? And, like, corks it open and, like, pours her the rum in, like, a rum glass, right? And as it goes, she, her nose kind of twitches and she goes, Yeah, so uh, one of my assistants said something about uh, there's, like, a special filtration process for this rum. What the fuck is that about?
0: I mean, to the average layperson, you know, they might not really get it. It's a very intricate process, um, but it's actually filtered through. Igneous stone. It gives it this very unique, very, uh, how should I say, powerful flavor. One taste, you won't want anything else.
1: All right, okay. Let's see how it is. Let's see if the product speaks for itself. You know, I like your moxie, kid. I like your showmanship. I like the briefcase, the stairs. That's nice. Uh, uh, get the fuck away from me. She sort of flings her fingers at the assistant, who's, like, still pouring the drink. Like, they back away. (laughs) She She picks up the glass, sniffs it, and sips. So tell me, Saj, is the drink good?
0: No, it tastes like shit. (laughs) It's horrible. It's horrible. But Saj is fully convinced because his family makes it that it's the greatest thing ever.
1: As soon as the rum touches her mouth, she gags and spits it back into the glass. Look, I got it. What the hell was that?
0: I got more. You don't have to save it. You can swallow it.
1: What? No, 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 no. What? Are you trying to poison me? Are you an assassin? What? Sent by my fucking rival, I swear to God. No, no, do you not like it? Maybe
0: you, it's an acquired taste pot. Maybe your palate isn't that developed yet. But trust me.
1: My palate? My palate, kid. I have been drinking rum before you are a thought in your father's fucking ball sack. Uh, uh, Listen, I built Jolt Hunting Lodge from the ground up with my bare fucking hands, Saj. I had a single dream to make the best goddamn hunting bow known to the ever realm, And I succeeded. You know why? Why? Because the product was good. Bulets, mimics, ghouls, owlbears. if it lives, a jolt bow can fucking kill it. Your rum is shit.
0: <laughs> what? But you know what? Why don't you just give it another sip really quickly because sometimes, you know, it has to kind of like swirl around the mouth to get the proper taste, please. And as I'm saying that, I'm going to try to surreptitiously cast Thaumaturgy to, like, make it taste good.
1: <laughs> okay. Uh, I think you just do it as you're, like, gesticulating with your hands. There's a little bit of, like, a ting coming from the glass that she doesn't seem to notice. Uh, but she looks at the glass, sip, sips it one like, sniffs it one more time, ugh, and hands it to her assistant to try. And the assistant takes the glass tentatively, like, looks at the backwash inside of it, gulps and then sips it and i think saj not even thaumaturgy not even magic can make this piece of shit taste good uh and the assistant like turns pale uh cups a hand over their mouth like runs over to the window and like absolutely just like pukes like throws up all over like the market on the street below uh and spade jolt goes huh. you know as fucking hilarious as that was uh listen kid I appreciate your showmanship, okay? I like your moxie. I still do, I still do. I think you got something. You got some you got some sort of spark. You got you got charisma, kid. I'll give you that. But uh listen, listen, listen. I'm not investing in this because I don't bet on losing dogs. Okay? Improve on the product. Maybe I'll bite.
0: You'll see. You'll see. And I'll just uh pretty pissed off. I'll just grab my uh my case and slam it shut and stomp
1: up. And she's laughing her ass off as you're leaving. You hear her go, Igneous rock. What kind of made up bullshit is that? Well, there's only one type of rock. Uh, And you like close the door to her office. And on the door (coughs) slamming, we cut to Aurora. Aurora, you are in an examination room. Mm -hmm. The body lies on a gurney. Uh, Its skin is cold and pale from storage and transportation. The victim, you read their file, is Mars Evans. Thirteen years old, a halfling boy from a mining town in Cord's Belt. His parent is a coal magnate, made the trek all the way out to your practice because of your sterling reputation. The official story is Mars was playing with some friends in the mines when he tripped, he fell, and he broke his neck. But Mix Evans, your client, suspects foul play. They think one of Mars's friends killed him out of jealousy because his parents rich. And now, it's your job to determine the true cause of death. Of course, and as we pan over to you, we see that you too are twenty years older than the last time we saw you. So, what do you look like now, and what are you doing? Okay, so now I'm
3: thirty-five. Um, I'm slender. Um, I would say like uh, about five foot eight. Um, I would say I'm graceful, but have a muscular build. Um, I I would be wearing a lab coat but you will see um, a pendant around her neck. And she actually found um, one of Rain's earrings that she had made into a circlet. So that, that kind of keeps Rain close to her heart. But she has kind of a stoic attitude since that day. So she looks at the body, inspects it. The first thing she's gonna do is she's going to um, ask, I guess, look for
1: the file and read through the, through the file. So your assistant, yeah, uh, Bhavna Khatri, uh, is this kind of like dark-skinned human person who's always been a little wary of you, uh, probably because of your stoicness. You've always been a little standoffish, maybe. Uh, And I think like uh, they do pick up the file and they hand it to you, right? And they sort of like glance over at you and they say with a hesitation in their voice, "Uh, do you really think it's foul play, Dr. Seferin? I don't know yet. Do I look psychic? I have to view the body. Hand me the file. Uh, right, of course. Here it is. Thank you. Okay, be gone. Uh, right. And Bhavra turns to move toward, like, the door as you, like, flick kind of disdainfully through the case file. Uh, But they pause before they leave, and they just... It looks like they want to say something. There's, like, something on the tip of their tongue. And then they, like, gather enough courage to just come out with it. Uh, uh, Dr. Seferin, I, um... Don't you think there's something... Don't you think there's something a little
3: familiar about this case? I look up. And I don't even answer. I go looking back
1: at the file. I said they sort of go ahead. I just told them you can go. Sure. Um, do you re- do you repeat? You can go. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, at that, they they open the door, right? Uh, but they hesitate on closing it. Like there's there's something they've been wanting to try to build up the courage to talk to you about. And it's sort of like they're like, okay, it's now or never. And as they pause at like the threshold of the examination room, they say, I I um. Uh, Dr. Seferin, I know you've always been very private, <laughs> a very private doctor, uh, and I've, I've always tried to be respectful of that, but uh, I also like to know my colleagues, so I did the liberty of doing uh, just a little bit of, I wouldn't call it a background check necessarily, that's disrespectful. Uh, I just, you know, I, I, I did a little bit of poking around and, um, well, I just wanted to ask if maybe you wouldn't have a conflict of interest as the head coroner on this case due to the similarities between this one and Colton Hughes?
3: I look up, and I i am a professional. I do not let personal feelings get in the way of my work. Right, but you're still a person. No, I'm not. Here, I am a coroner. We don't have no feelings. Okay.
1: Okay. Uh, wow, this is a toxic work environment. Uh, and they, like, close the door <laughs> and you're, like, left alone <laughs> in the exam room. Uh, and as you look at the case file and, like, look back down on the corpse of this 13-year-old, The same thing happens that occurs every time you're left alone with a body. You hear the voices, the voices in your head. It starts out soft, almost like gentle tickles on the edges of your consciousness, but they start to grow louder, more urgent. Children's voices calling at you, crawling at you, clawing at you. Not words, but just screams, wisps of screams creeping their way through the soil of your mind like the roots of weeds how do they make you feel i'm used to it
3: so i'm just gonna say how do i get any work done with all these screaming in my head so then i pour a glass of vodka to try to quiet them down okay and you
2: get to work how do I get this work done with this, all this screaming in my head? Oh, Yo. the
1: screaming of the children. <laughs> the Tattoo, children's that's
2: screams. It. That's such she a great said, line. All
4: right, vodka. All right, that's how we're going <laughs> to deal with that shit.
2: That's wild. I love it. I love it.
3: <laughs>
0: What's up? It's Elias. Just wanted to say thank you for checking us out. If you enjoyed our shenanigans in the everrealm, please consider sponsoring us via listener support on Anchor and helping us make this show bigger and better. If the commitment isn't your jam, you could make a donation via the Ko-fi link in the show description. Conversely, if you aren't able to do that, bills, etc., trust me, I get it. You could show love by leaving a rating, a review, or just sharing the show. Again, thanks for listening.
2: Peace.